I want to talk this morning on perilous times. I'm going to read a scripture to you that has that word in it. And guess what? That's the only place in the Bible that that word appears. So we'll talk about that and explain it to you. But uh, while you're turning to 2 Timothy, the third chapter, we'll look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again for all you do for your people. And Father, thank you for the gathering that's come together this morning, the sweet spirit that has shared this morning that we can do things that will not only bring uh, glory to you, but will enlighten our lives and bring a smile to our face. So help us to be the people you want us to be. We're anxious to do what the Word of God says so that uh, we can have the life that you want us to have and bless our lives as we travel this world around us. We know, Lord, not everything's peaches and cream, but, Lord, we know that if you go with us, we can make it through to the final chapter. So watch over us this hour. Teach us from your Word in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2 Timothy, the third chapter, I just want to read the first nine verses. I probably won't get to preach on all of this because that would take about eight or 10 hours, but uh, I don't want to go too long this morning, but uh, we'll cover what God plays on our hearts. It says, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. That's where I got the title. That's the only place you'll read in the Bible of perilous times. Verse two says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. For of this sort are they which crept into houses and led captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jamborees withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no farther, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. So here we have the Apostle Paul writing to a the minister that he mentored or brought up through the ranks, if you would, as uh, being the big brother to little brother, uh, wanting to get some instruction to him about some of the dangers he feels the Holy Spirit has inspired him to be aware of in the days coming or in the days ahead. ahead. And we can uh, look a lot of times in the scriptures and we'll find yeah, that the Holy Spirit uses the term in the last 
days. When are the last days? Well, the last days began on the day of Pentecost and they go until Jesus comes again. That's the short answer for that. Now, I could give you a two-week revival on it from the scriptures, but that's the short answer. So we know what he's talking about here. So when we see in the last days, um, that does include our day, but it takes in a whole lot of other days because we can learn from what took place yesterday as well as what we can learn from what takes place today and we can know what God's going to plan on doing in the future as you what you might say connect the dots amen I was on vacation this week and my brothers and sisters were all there and we did three thousand piece puzzles from Monday night to Wednesday night Three of them, 3,000 piece puzzles. We worked on it. It was on a table and you could only get three people around it. So we took turns. Uh, different ones would work on it for a while and then they'd get their eyes tired and move and somebody else would step in. But three 1,000 piece puzzles. That was a lot of puzzling, wasn't it? Amen. And we learned to, to get along with one another and that's where we... Uh, come up to date with our brothers and sisters or what's been going on in their lives and uh, we can talk and chew gum at the same time. Amen? So sometimes when we read the Bible, especially if we read the Old Testament, our minds are kind of convince us that the issues that were uh, a long time ago don't have any relevance in our day and time now. We always use the statement, bygones be bygones you know what happened then forget about it and move on but another old saying that comes to mind is uh, if you don't learn from the past you're doomed to repeat it amen well we found that out of many a times and I I as a I'm not really a history buff not like brother Steve but uh, I've learned a lot of the things that I know I shouldn't do because I watched somebody else fail at it Amen? Now, the things that people succeed in, that's kind of the things I want to pick up and do. I learned how to handle my money just by watching people who handled their money right. I've watched a lot of people that had a lot of money. They didn't handle it so well. And now, they, uh, well, we'll just leave it at that. You know what, what happened. So, when my uh, wife and I went to Myrtle Beach for a getaway, we had a great time there. And I'll tell you what, we didn't even turn on the news. All the way down in the car, didn't even turn on the radio. All the way back, all the time, we no news, nothing, you know. It's kind of, what are the old saying? No news is good news, kind of, right? And we just had a good time. We didn't do that. But when I got back, uh, I started picking up on looking at some of the news, see what's going on. You know what? Nothing changed. The only thing that happened was it got worse. And, and I think that's the kind of the mental state that Paul was looking at when he writes this letter to Timothy. Um, it's as bad to, um, when we came back as it was when we left, if not worse. And Paul is saying to Timothy, brother, you got to be on target when it comes to the things of God because uh, there's going to come perilous times. Amen? So when I came to the conclusion, perilous times have always been, they are now, 
And they're going to continue as long as the world and the devil are having the opportunity to have influence in this world. Amen? The word perilous means dangerous. It could mean difficult. It could mean fierce or furious, according to the Strong's Concordance. So it's not something you want to be your everyday companion. It's not something that you would want to rub shoulders with a whole lot. And yet, we can't avoid it. It's there, and we're going to have to do what we can. So as I traveled to the Atlantic Ocean and back this week, I noticed many times people were experiencing perilous times. For example, we saw several car wrecks. Red lights, sirens, fire trucks, ambulances. We saw all that. I saw cars broke down on the side of the road. That's a perilous time. I saw people that had flat tires. On the way home, I saw one lady, her car was in the median. The front door was open and she was standing out in front of her car and the whole windshield was smashed in. I don't know. I would assume she hit a deer. I didn't see a deer. Uh, the deer probably just went over, smashed her windshield and kept running. I don't know. But uh, her car was in a mess. That was a perilous time for her. And everybody going by 80 mile an hour, barely got a glimpse of it, winked at her and kept going. You know? When other people are going through perilous times, sometimes we just uh, notice it, and that's the way it goes. Uh, the old saying is, uh, that comes to mind, if it wasn't for bad luck, we wouldn't have any luck at all. Amen? When I read this portion of Scripture, I think about why Paul even took time to, wrote it, to write it down. It's pretty obvious to anybody that has any connection with anyone around them or their neighborhood or their jobs or anything, we're in perilous times. We don't use that term very often, but we know things aren't as good as they used to be. You ever heard of the good old days? Yeah? Well, today's the good old days we're going to talk about down the road somewhere. Amen? And we think today's about as bad as it gets. Nah, it can get a lot worse. These are the good old days if you want to look at it from that viewpoint. Amen? So here we find Paul giving this uh, admonition to Timothy that what he is stating to him seems to be something pretty obvious and it should have been to Timothy also. In the everyday Bible, 2 Timothy 3 and 1 says, Remember this, in the last days there will be many troubles. Going to be a lot of problems in the last days. Well, when's that? We always want to take that because he didn't say in 2022. We want to say, well, that's out in the future or that's in the days gone by, but it's all the same. From the day of Pentecost till Jesus comes again, there's going to be troubles. The devil's going to see to it. The world's going to see to it because they want to drag you down to their level. Amen? Uh, even though trouble's all around us, I still believe it is something we need to be aware of that Jesus told his disciples many times in his gospels to watch and pray. Amen? Several times in his teaching, he told them, watch and pray. And there was 
Uh, that was about, if you would, the dangers that they were looking at at their day and time. You know, most of those dangers that Jesus warned us about came from those who are selfish and don't know the peace that God has for them in their lives. In my mind, I go back to John 16, 33. And I wrote it down here. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Isn't that comforting to know that if you don't have peace, you can go to Jesus and he'll give you the peace to get over the tribulation that the world, that tribulation means tests or trials or problems or troubles. All those things that the world puts on us, we can have victory over them if we'll hold on to the small, our small hand on Jesus' big hand. You know what Jesus did after he said that to his disciples? John 17. You know what John 17 is? That's Jesus' prayer. He prays that whole 17th chapter to his Father in heaven. He stops and prays. You read it, that entire chapter. If you've got a red letter edition, every word in that chapter is red letter. That's the prayer Jesus sent up for his, to his Father on behalf of his disciples because he knew this was, his, it was it for him. He's only got just a few more hours on this earth. His trials and tribulations are going to come to an end, especially in the fleshly world. So when I think about the tribulations of the world, what I want to do mainly is look and see where they come from. Why am I having this situation? Where did it come from? And I find they come from selfish people of the world that don't even know the peace of God. A lot of them, they just want to do it their way, their way's right, and nobody else's way even matters. Amen? So we go back to 2 Timothy 2 and 3. Paul says, 4. Or because men shall be lovers of their own selves. Amen. You probably know people like that, don't you? The person they love the most is the one they see in the mirror. Amen. That's just the way some people were built. For us to understand this portion of scripture, it would explain so much about the problems this world is experiencing. When we think of what's going on in our world and why people do the things they do and why the problems are the way they are, for the most part, you can sort it back to that's because of selfishness. I just think this way. When I hear the word divorce, first word that pops in my mind is selfishness. Amen. It just seems that way to me. I mean, I realize there are circumstances and situations, and I'm not saying it's all on one side or none on the other. It's a, it's a, a work that has to be worked through, if you would. Uh, but when it comes to divorce, it just, I don't know, it slaps me upside the head that says selfishness. And I say that because I've been through it twice. Amen. You say, well, brother, dude, you must really be selfish. Well, I don't think I was all that selfish, but uh, there was a paper served to me that I had no idea were coming. And that's the way the old world crumbles sometimes. Amen. And I learned from it. Amen. Not going to do it no more, are we, Bonnie? No, we're not going that way no more. Amen. All right. 
Well, I do want you to know that there is a big difference between taking care of yourself and loving yourself. There is a big difference. All we need to be aware of, of how to take care of ourselves, especially we need to take care of our spiritual man. But when we're totally consumed with the spiritual man, uh, or with the physical man, our spiritual man seemingly gets neglected and it's going to be suffering the losses that come with the perilous times that Jesus uh, talked about and that the Apostle Paul is writing about here in the rest of this particular portion of Scripture that we read this morning. Now, back into this and come down through uh, verse number 2 down through verse number 5, Paul calls out these traits of a selfish person. Now, I'm not going to preach on all of them. You can read them at home or, or memorize them or whatever, but uh, you need to take time and give some attention to this list of character traits and study them when you get to time. But as for this morning, let's just drop down to verse number five. He says at the end of verse number five, from such turn away. You say, well, I can't neglect nobody. I got to be everybody's friend. There are some people you would be better off to just turn away from because you're not going to be able to change them and their goal is to change you. Amen? Birds of a feather flock together. Amen? How much do we turn away? Should we be rude to them? Should we call them all kinds of nasty names? Should we ignore them? No. But we need to do what Jesus taught us to do. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen? Do your best to witness Live the life before people that don't agree with you or don't like you, don't want to be around you uh, long enough to know where they stand. But if you realize you're not going to be able to turn their minds or change their hearts, and actually God is the only one that can do that, um, God's Holy Spirit, I believe, will give you an exit to say, I need to just turn away. From such, get away. Put some distance between them. Now, it doesn't necessarily uh, mean you need to block them on uh, whatever your phone block thing. I don't know. I never blocked anybody. I know that's, a, that's something you can do on your phone, and I hear people talk about it. Um, but, you know, you just need to be all you can be for God. But then the scripture in being balanced says, don't throw your pearls before swine. What happens if you do that? They trample them in the mud and then come and charge you. And they try to bite you or try to hurt you while you're trying to be so sweet to them. Amen? Even uh, Sarah Palin said, you don't put lipstick on a pig. That just doesn't work. Amen? But what we need to know is there are times we need to just put distance between us and other people or spiritually we'll suffer because we didn't. And the reason is we're in perilous times. Amen? The best way to defeat darkness, turn on the light. 
Amen. Best way to defeat evil is overcome evil with good. Amen. You see, you can catch more flies with sugar than you can with vinegar. Amen. The hard part of trying to shine the light in the dark spots of the world around us is that most of these perilous times try to cover their tracks as they go. Verse 5 says they have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Amen? They'd want you to think how spiritual they are but it doesn't take long once you're around them to realize they don't have godly ambitions about them as deeply embedded in their soul as you thought they did. They can talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Amen? I don't know about you, but I've seen the most cussing Christians, the most alcoholic Christians, and the most abortion Christians and the most LBGTQRSTLMNOP Christians. And the list just goes on and on and on and on. Things that my Bible says I should stay away from, they will not only do, but they're proud that they do it and still want to take on the name, I'm a Christian. Amen. They can even quote scriptures that fits their ideas about how they want to live. But just a little closer look, and you can see the real character is nothing more than selfishness. In other words, the God they're serving is themselves. Seemingly, these worldly lovers are not only selfish, but they're proud to be selfish. Verse 2 says they even brag about being selfish as if it's their mission in life to think they're number one and everybody else should cater to them. Have you got friends like that? Amen. I've got friends in high school I thought would be my friends for the rest of my life because when I was in high school I had a job. I made lots of money. I made $2 an hour. I did. And I was swimming in cash. And I had my own vehicle. And anytime anybody wanted to go anywhere, they'd call me and say, Hey, dude, I'd like to go to, wouldn't you like to go there? Well, yeah, let's go. Okay, I'll be over to pick you up. You know, I furnished everything. Everybody was just happy to be my friend. Until I said, Hey, somebody else is going to have to chip in some gas money or something. Well, that's the last I've seen of that friend. Amen. We'll learn. Takes us a while sometimes. Amen. Well, in verse 6, it says that they seek others to share their selfish desires with others under the cloak of darkness. But don't fall in their trap. Because in the morning, when the sun comes up, you'll realize they were only in it for their own selfish gratification. Paul says it this way in verse 6, For of this sort, they uh, which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin, led away with divers 
lusts. They get confused between lusts and love. They try to talk a good talk, but in the morning, you realize they were only in it for themselves. Verse 7 says, ever learning. Looks like they should learn a little something, but never able to come to the truth. We talked about truth in Sunday school. The thing I like about truth, you don't have to wonder about it. Truth is always truth. Amen? It never changes. Truth never changes. You learn the truth, it'll be with you the rest of your life. Amen? And since they never come to the truth, guess what they do? They just keep repeating the same errors over and over and over and over going to the wrong places, doing the wrong things, being with the wrong people. And what's it do? It just causes them more perilous times. Look at verse number eight there. It says, as Janice and Jamborees. Does anybody can stand to their feet and tell me who Janice and Jamborees is? Anybody? Got a clue? Anybody? Here's your chance to preach. Joel, you want to take over? All right. The reason you don't know who it is is because this is the only place in the Bible you'll see those two names. Now, Paul probably knew some local history about the gossip of Janus and Jamborees, and probably even Timothy did. And when he says, remember Janus and Jamborees, those two guys probably knew who they were. But they didn't go into any detail in Scripture to tell us. So I looked them up. That's good, isn't it? This is the only place they are. And now he says, just like them. Well, who are they? Well, they're somebody that withstood Moses. Now, as the study as I get it, as I looked as deep as I could to find out about them, it was when Moses went before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And God sent him down there and said, I'm going to send a plague on that property. And if you don't let my people go, I'm going to punish them. So they went down there, Moses and Aaron, and as they got there, he said, let my people go. And Moses, or Pharaoh said, nah. So he said, well, I'll tell you what, God sent me down here. And Pharaoh said, well, how do I know God sent you? So he threw his rod down. What happened? It turned into a snake. Well, Pharaoh said, that ain't nothing. Wait a minute, let me call Janus and Jamborees in here, my wise men. And they came in, and they had a rod. And they threw it down on the ground. What did it do? It turned into a snake too. But what happened after that? Moses' rod or snake ate the other snakes and then Moses picked his up and it became a rod again. They couldn't pick theirs back up. And the scripture says that they withstood Moses. Or in other words, they wanted to appear spiritual. They wanted to appear powerful. They wanted to appear that they knew what they were doing. But their miracles were lying wonders. They didn't stand, if you would, the smell test. Amen? So in the Exodus, when um, Moses went before the people and said, let my people go, and he sent the different plagues every time, Pharaoh would call for Janus and Jamborees. Now, you don't read that in the Old Testament, but that's what Paul is referring to here in history as the gossip tells the story about it. Amen? There's a lot of things in my hometown. I grew up in a little dinky Jamestown. There's a lot of people I knew 
because I knew and heard the gossip about these people down there and those people over there. And, that, and you probably know some of them from your hometown. Amen? You mention somebody's name and quickly your mind goes to exactly who they was and what they stood for. Amen? Well, when, when uh, the scripture came here to talk about Janice and Jamborees and Moses said, let my people go and he wouldn't let them go, God had to send another plague in to make sure that those people got the message from God. So we need to beware of people that try to outdo you when you're trying to do a good work for God. Amen? Paul says they resisted the truth. They do false miracles because they are of a corrupt mind. Amen? Said they, uh, they resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds. He even calls them reprobates. You know what a reprobate is? Reprobate is a hypocrite, a phony, a counterfeit. Concerning the faith, they'd look like they're for real, but in their spirit, they're hollow on the inside. Amen? I've learned a long time ago just by being a somebody that likes to cut down trees for firewood or different things. You can't look at the outside of the tree and tell what it really is. But you'll find out a whole lot about it when you start cutting through it and watch it fall to the ground. Amen? Same is true of hypocrites. Amen? So again, verse 17, or verse 7, says, ever learning, yet never because never learning because they look at the wrong teacher. They need to look to the two witnesses rather than to look in the mirror. Amen? Who's the two witnesses? Amen. Verse 9, and we'll bring it to a halt here, explains where they're going to end up. They have no progress in their life because it's based on themselves. Amen? They shall proceed no farther. They're at, they're at a dead end because all they can see is what they think they can see. They don't look to the Word of God and the Spirit of God to take them any farther than where they are now. They become a laughing stock, the Scripture says. Uh, a folly before men. They're the butt of everybody's jokes. Amen? Because as much as they put on a show, everybody else has already got their number and knows in the end they're the losers. Amen? Saints, we're in perilous times. To me, it seems as if it's more and more dangerous and more and more difficult every day. Amen? Just when you think it couldn't get any worse, it does. Amen? So we need to heed the warning that Paul gave here when he was inspired to write this to Timothy. And he wraps it up, and I'm going to drop way on down into verse 15 through 17. And that's why, Steve, this is why when you asked me what was in 1 Timothy 3.16, and I quoted this scripture to you, I was in 2 Timothy. 
3.16. All right, but it says, and from a child, Timothy, you've known the Holy Scripture. You know you're blessed if you learn the truth of God's Word at a young age, which is able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Those four things is what the Word of God should be doing in your life on a regular basis. If it's not happening in your life, if you don't read the Word of God and learn something every time you read it or something, you might want to read a little more or check out what's driving you or motivating you while you're reading the Scripture. I've caught myself reading the Bible, got it right in front of me, the words in my eyes are going from line to line, and I'm thinking about that tractor in the garage that i got to go fix. Or what I'm going to have for dinner. It don't matter. Some, the devil can distract us. You know what I do when I do that? I just stop, rebuke the devil, and go back to the beginning where I started and start all over and read it again. Amen. And when I get down reading it the second time, I realize, huh, these are perilous times. He's trying to take the word right out of my mind while I got my eyeballs set right on it. Amen. Well, here's what happens when you read the Word of God and it has root in your life, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect. Now, that perfect doesn't mean you won't make any more mistakes. That perfect means mature is a better word they should have put there. The more you read the Word of God, the more spiritually mature you get. And the more knowledge you get, the more mature you get in the things of God. We, we think people have have to be mature as they grow. No, you can grow, you have to grow old, but you don't have to grow mature. You have to work at being mature. Amen? It's easy to grow old, but you got to work at being mature. He says, the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, or that word furnished means equipped unto all good works. I don't know what good works God has planned for you to have in your life, but he's going to equip you so that it's possible. Amen. That wouldn't be fair of God to ask you to do something that if you didn't have the talent or the equipping or whatever it took to do that, it wouldn't be fair of him to ask you to do it if you couldn't do it. Amen. So he furnishes that. How does he do it? Well, he does it through the maturing process of studying the Word of God. Amen. We need to make sure we have a regular regimen of some kind where we get our nose in the Word. Will we allow the Holy Spirit to sit on our shoulder while we read the Word so that we can get to where God wants us to be? Amen? So as the two witnesses work together in our life to help us produce the good works we desire for God's glory and guard us against the perilous times of these last days, we need to be on our toes doing what God wants us to do. Amen? Paul said that Timothy needed to do it. Guess what? You and I need to do it too. Amen? We can't get around being what God wants us to be doing it our way. If we don't do it his way, we'll definitely come up short. And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it. 